0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, welcome to Monster Legends Podcast, and I hope you had a great um, weekend. This is Monster Legends of Montana. It's special guest, Todd Sullivan. How are you doing?
1: I'm okay. How are you doing? Tonight? Doing great. What are you about to? Uh, nothing much. Uh, You know, it's been kind of slow here. I'm in Taipei, Taiwan. But it's Saturday. So Saturday is like everywhere else in the world. Tend to be pretty slow. So it's just been like a quiet Sunday day.
0: It's great. Uh, I've been hanging out with my girlfriend all weekend. So I've been doing. No. So, what do, you do, what do you do in Taipei?
1: Uh, I teach English here. Uh, I've been teaching here for the past uh, six, seven months. But I teach English in Asia. So, I was in uh, South Korea for 10 years. Uh, and then I went home for maybe two or three months and then I came out here to Taipei.
0: How'd you get to teach in Taipei, in Asia, in Korea?
1: Just looking for work. Like I yeah. graduated with a master's in writing. And honestly, if you graduate with a master's in writing, you're gonna teach, it just depends on where you're gonna teaching. And so the options were teaching basically in the school that I graduated from after I, I, I graduated, teaching in a public school system somewhere in America, or moving abroad and teaching. And I thought moving the bar teaching would be the best of those three choices. And it's been a very good time, that's what I've been doing for so long. It's been pretty cool. It's
0: awesome. Oh, what got you to like be uh wanna be a writer and learn to write. So.
1: Uh, you know, it's 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 just something you you know, as a kid you try different things and mm-hmm. writing was a thing that seems to that people thought i did well and so i got a lot of compliments about it and i just kept doing it Uh, so definitely the more compliments you get as a kid that's probably the thing you end up doing more and more often than other things that don't seem to be as impressive to people and so Yeah. yeah i you know people enjoy what i wrote even back in elementary school and i just kept doing it throughout i think i stopped writing for only maybe a year and a half uh, like around 7th grade I stopped writing and then I started again sometime in 8th grade and I've been doing it ever since
0: that's awesome um, what was your like favorite book as a kid?
1: huh what well, was my favorite book as a kid? there are a lot of books and when people ask me well let's put it this way when I was in high school what I read a lot of is Dragonlance, so I read. A lot, do you know Dragonlance by any chance?
0: Uh, I think I've heard of it. I've oh, read okay.
1: it. Yeah, it's like it's part of the whole uh, Dungeons and Dragons D and D type yeah. um, like fiction. But yeah, I read a lot of Dragonlance in um, high school, uh, and that's probably the thing that anyone listening to this is gonna know. And there's other stuff that I read in elementary school. Uh, it's an old book called Searching for Sonya. Uh, Dragon and the Garden, but these books are just so old, and no one's I'm pretty sure people are gonna know those
0: titles. But Dragonlance is the thing that I read in high school. Mm-hmm. I read uh, House of the Scorpion in high school, and like the Heron Cycle. I read House of the uh, Scorpion. You read House of the Scorpion?
1: Yeah, I did. I, I read it because. Uh, I attended a national book program, uh, national book foundation writing camp, and that was one of the books that gave us for free the House of Scorpions. I actually did read that one. It's
0: been a long uh-huh. time, yeah. but I did read that one. Like, no one ever hears about it. I never heard anyone else have read it before. Like, it's so uh, good. You uh, read... Yeah, me and my people who went
1: to that camp. We all read that book. It was really good. So, yeah, yeah. cool.
0: I re- read your book uh, this past week, man. It was so good. Porchers.
1: Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I, mean, I, should, I need make it to the movie or something, but I don't know if I can, it's kind of gruesome yeah. in some parts.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's an extreme horror. It's definitely a yeah. gruesome book and yeah, I wish I could make it to a movie because that would be a paycheck for me, but yeah,
0: uh, I mean, oh, anime, I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah. Too. Anime. Yeah. Anime
1: yeah, but it would be cool if they made an um, anime like Spirits of Away or Howl's Moving Castle
0: or something oh. like that. Oh, you talking about Studio Ghibli, man? Yeah. Their stuff is. Actually, stuff is their stuff is so good. All of their stuff.
1: Yeah, I actually went there in, in, oh. um, in Japan, Tokyo.
0: What was that like? That's, that was so awesome.
1: It was, it was really cool. Uh, we went there, I think we were, it was far from where we were staying, it wasn't close. And yeah, it was just like a bit of a smaller building. Like, you know, it's, it's Japan, it's Asia, things aren't, don't tend to be really big um, uh, in Asia. So, kind of a smaller building, uh, a bit nondescript, but it was a really cool experience. They had the, a lot of the original drawings. Uh, throughout the building and you can watch. It was actually the first place I ever saw uh, my neighbor Totoro. Do you know yeah. that one?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the one.
1: first time I saw that movie. As a, we only saw a of it, but uh, it was really cool actually. I, I really, really love Japan and Tokyo. I want to live there at some point. This is like 11 years ago. I still haven't made back there to live, but yeah, I really enjoy. Have you been to uh, Japan?
0: Uh, not yet. I want to. Okay. Oh. How's, the, how's the, like, the, the culture there and the people?
1: Well, that's my first experience in Asia. So I was blown away by it. But I was, like, I, I mean, that's one of my best experiences. I was only there for, it was like a three week class I took there. Yeah. And just everything about it—the uh, the airport, coming from the airport to where we were staying at this youth hostel, the vending machines, the people, the traffic—you know—in Japan they do it on the other side of the street, and this everything about it was the there's just really big crows there, the the sounds—it it, it really is like stepping into uh, anime actually, and yeah, it's just a very. If you're into anime, if you're into Asian culture, then I think Japan is definitely a place you should visit. There's a lot of, it's just a really fantastic, it's a really fantastic experience for
0: me. Yeah, I guess you can say like anime is really good at like capturing that culture and stuff like that, right?
1: Right, it is. It is actually really good. Uh, yeah, you know when you're in Japan, there's like a like a street of Dragon Ball Z. They like they're playing on the, on the televisions, and then there are just all these Japanese people are just standing outside on the sidewalk watching Dragon Ball, and Dragon yeah. Ball Z. It's, it really is a, it's a very unique. Like I've been to, I haven't been to like a lot of places, but I have been to a few places. And Japan is probably the top of my list of just really cool places to to be to go to visit
0: Uh, oh was it like living in korea
1: it was cool i was there for 10 years so i mean you know you don't do anything well hopefully you don't do anything for 10 years you don't enjoy but i lived all over korea like i started in a small little island called jeju and and well anyway i started in a small island called jeju and then i went from there up to seoul which is the the big capital city and i lived all in between and all my writing uh, took place in Korea so far, like everything I've done published. So Korea had a lot of stuff in it that I guess uh, seeded my imagination. Uh, it made me uh, because I didn't get anything published actually until I moved to Korea. And then after I moved to Korea for like five years, everything I submitted was accepted. So Korea has been was very good for me actually awesome. as a writer.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, is there... Sorry. Uh, Um, is there anything from, like, uh, living in Korea that, like, you put into your books somehow? Yeah, definitely, uh... Like, um... Uh, like, something that inspired you, like, just living there?
1: Yeah, you know... Working there, like butchers, is is, is kind of about uh, work and a very difficult job. That's what the the characters have. The have boy, because they are called employees in the book, and they just have a very difficult job. But you know, again, I did that for ten years, so I did not enjoy Korea. But definitely, working there was a it, it, they had his tough moments because uh, it's just like a cultural thing going on and. You know, in Korea, they are very big on hierarchy. So there's like somebody at the top, and then there's someone beneath that person, beneath that person. And if you're like closer to the bottom, you have like no real authority. And so it's just they're very big on, 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 on hierarchy, and the person at the top being you know, the one making decisions, and everyone else just kind of follows. And that, that's kind of, uh, it can be kind of rigid and honestly not fun. So a lot of um, butchers is about these people working in this corporation and have to follow these rules that seem abusive, uh, definitely for mm-hmm. them, but it's just like yelled up a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, shows about, uh, cryptids. Have you heard anything, uh, uh, monster stories in Korea or Japan or anything like that?
1: Well, you know, my publisher, uh, Nightmare Press, that's actually, he has like a couple of um, a couple of imprints and the one that he started off with, I think it's called Anubis, and that's what he does. He does um, uh, legends and monsters uh, in in America. And in fact, he runs uh, a hunted tour in, Kennedy- in Kentucky. He has like a sure. hunting tour in Kentucky. So that's oh. actually what he does. Um like on Facebook right now, he's putting all these inventions. he actually goes and takes pictures of things and he it. He's like kind of a paranormal investigator. So yeah, that's actually what my publisher does. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I was, I was like I almost wanna tell him that he should join us in the conversation because he doesn't might have a lot to talk about, but I definitely mm-hmm. will Send him your contact information because I think you guys were actually.
0: Honestly, I don't know have know a lot right? it. Yeah. I had several books he's done on this subject, so you guys will probably have a lot to talk about, actually. Awesome. Uh, I think what think of talk about. Uh, what's a good um, food
1: in Korea? The Everyone eats is kimchi. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like uh, pickled cabbage. I um, oh, yeah. you know. cabbage fat.
0: Yeah, I like cabbage.
1: Okay, they even really like it. They serve it with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's pickled and it's uh, like a red spicy sauce on it. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's sweet too. Uh, and for many foreigners, when they first go there, they don't really like it. But they give it to you all the time. And, you know, kind of why it tastes for it. It makes the other food you eat tastes better so yeah kimchi is one of the favorites there and they're big um pork.
0: A lot of chicken. Pork, pork chicken, yeah sounds like a uh, gravy down here in the south let's put gravy on everything. yeah
1: it's right yeah the kimchi goes with everything like they sometimes they compare kimchi with bread and i know in america we have this thing with bread uh but i don't think it's it's like kimchi. They sit down without bread and still enjoy our meal but they don't really sit down and kimchi like that's really essential so i think this i think bread it's close but not the same actually
0: mm. here for breakfast
1: today Um, so I'm living in Taipei now, like I was saying, and things in Taipei actually open a bit late and they close a bit Mm -hmm. early. So I tend to get Mm -hmm. around around 6 o'clock. The only thing that is open is actually 7-Eleven. You know 7-Eleven? Yeah. Yeah, but 7-Eleven is actually different here in uh, in Korea, Japan, and America. So yeah, basically for breakfast every day I have 7-Eleven, uh, nice. and then for a lot of times for dinner I have this thing called Family Mart. It's like a 7-Eleven, um, big competitors.
0: Um, are you like wa- um you like waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. They're
1: yeah. they're more common. Yeah, there's McDonald's actually nearby, and I get
0: yeah. that sometimes. So yeah, pancakes is probably something I enjoy more. Yeah, it's hard to find a good like good waffle. They're usually like frozen and awful. Like pancakes yeah. are. Pancakes imagine. are always good. Um, so about some monsters in Montana first one is the Shunka Warrikan, uh, or ring is a cryptid first mentioned in American folklore. Uh, those who got a good look at this beast described it as being nearly black and having high shoulders and a back that sloped downward like a hyena. The uh, highway and several other Native American Indian tribes in the region called the creature Shunka Warrikan, which translates into carrying off dogs because it was often sneaking into Indian camps at night to steal their dogs. Uh, the first documented sighting of the Shunker Rorican by white settlers began in the 1880s which members of the Hutchins family settled down in the Madison River Valley in the lower part of Montana. All along after the Hutchins settled into the area, they along with several other locals began to encounter a strange wolf-like animal. In its book, Trails to Nature's Mysteries, Life of a Working Naturalist, published in 1997, Ross Hutchins, wrote the following description of some encounters that his grandfather had with Shunka One winter morning, my grandfather was aroused by the barking of dogs. He discovered that a wolf-like beast of dark color was chasing my grandmother's geese. He fired his gun at the animal, but missed. It ran off down the river, but several mornings later, it was seen again at about dawn. It was about seen several more times at the home ranch, as well as other ranches, 10 or 15 miles down the valley. However, it was, it was a great traveler. Ring Ducas is the name given to the undivided animal shot by Israel Hutchins, a Mormon seller in Montana in 1886. Hutchinson had it stuffed by local Joseph Sherwood, uh, who put it on display at his general store near Henry's Lake, Idaho, until the 1980s, when it mysteriously disappeared. DNA testing has never been conducted on the animal. In 2007, Jack Kirby, grandson of the man who shot the animal, tracked it down to the Idaho Museum of Natural History in Pocatello. The specimen was displayed in the Madison Valley History Museum, where it reopened in May 2007. Over many years, family story was all but forgotten. That's until cryptozoologist Mark A. Hall uncovered the story after a creature of, uh, of, a, group of or a group of creatures resembling the Shrinkaworka were sighted in Nebraska, Iowa, Alberta, and Illinois. In 1995, following the discovery by Mark A. Hall, Lance Foster, Iowa Indian, told cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman of a creature he and his tribe called the uh, that looked something like a hyena and cried like a person when it was killed. Foster, who heard of the mounted rindocus carcass, speculated it may be an example of a Shriko warrikin which he knew from his own experience as those of relatives in Montana and Idaho. In December 2005, a strange wolf-like animal began killing livestock in Macomb, Garfield, and Dawson counties of Montana. By October 2006, the animal, now known as the creature of Macomb County, I killed more than 120 various forms of livestock, and appeared in several news articles, including one in May 2006 issue of USA Today. On November 2, 2006, the Montana Wildlife Service shot and killed a creature that may have been responsible for these killings. Originally thought to be a wolf, the animal that was shot showed characteristics that were not common with any wolf species known in the area. The animal that was killed appeared to have orange, red, and yellow fur whereas wolves known to live in the area are of gray, black, and brown color. Muscle tissues were sent to the University of California, Los Angeles, where DNA samples were taken in an attempt to pair it to Northern Rockies wolf. The carcass was sent to the National Fish and Wildlife Forensics Laboratory, in Ashland, Oregon, for a genetic study. However, no record of the result of these studies could be found at this time. My step wolf. I'm show you the uh, these pictures. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: No, it reminds me of actually wrought story. Uh like two years ago shape shifting thousand about uh, these tigers in south korea that can transform
0: we all know real life can suck sometimes and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on zoom last week doesn't help any that's why
1: reluctantly codependent sisters the shira and rishalia keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast legendary africa every monday and friday we take you on a journey of mythical lands magical objects and monstrous creatures both ancient and modern find legendary africa on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and wherever you feed your ears and remember stay safe stay sexy and stay legendary uh but yeah that's what i was thinking when i was hearing that uh you know stuff like that is like really cool to kind of, you know, help you write, help you, for me, as a writer, help me write, actually, when I hear stuff like that. You know, tigers are really big in in Korea, and there's a lot
0: of mythology surrounding it. Um, I get, I'll be, I'm really interested in getting to, like, different countries and learn, like, their folklore about monsters. I'm getting forward, I'm really forward to looking to doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's very, very rich actually. There's a lot of, um, like in Korea, there's, there's Shen, which are all ghosts. There's a lot of different kind of ghost legends there, um, but, yeah, a lot of different kind of, uh, well, monsters, evil spirits, and things like that. You make it. I hope you make it uh to all the different countries. I mean I guess I have uh, state I don't know.
0: But yeah, uh investigate those things. Thank you. Uh um a Montana monster. It looks like a man and eats bears and sheep. Some of the old time hunters and Indian fighters who are still holding out in the city should be endeavor to find a wide-eyed individual who came in from the mountains this morning. Whether he discovered a new brand of whiskey or whether it was the loneliness of his life in the mountains that caused him to see visions and hear sounds is not known, but whatever the cause, he had told a story that knocks Joe Kalticki's ghost story attested to by Jack Furman, clearly on In the Shade. He said that over in the range of mountains, which forms a part of While the Wyoming line, he had seen evidence of the existence of a creature whose genius was unknown to him. He also claimed to have obtained a glimpse of the varmint, but always when he was unarmed, and as its appearance was such as not to invite a close inspection, he never sought to get near it enough to see it just what it was. He says the animal is covered with hair, but in form, it is not unlike a man. A resemblance that is increased by the creature's habit of rising on its haunches and walking on its hind legs after the manner of a gorilla. After I have seen the animal, the man said he cannot account for this instance of the torn and carly eaten carcass of several large bears and also of one mountain sheep that he claimed to have found in the vicinity of where the unknown animal apparently makes his headquarters. The stranger says he will return to the mountain shortly and will pilot, anybody who may desire to visit the locality to exact spot where you last saw the creature. Uh, it's from the Anaconda standard, uh, sources Brooklyn, England, Brooklyn, New York, November 4th and 1892. That's crazy. I don't know what that could
1: pretty
0: interesting. I now mean, what could eat a bear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah, okay you,
1: bear. I mean I don't know. I've never really never really, really been but I have a really good friend from Montana. I always wanted to go to Ronin. Ronin, Montana, but I've actually have never really spent much time in the wilderness or in the more rural areas. I have no idea what a Bear actually. Do you know Ronin?
0: Uh not particularly no she uh, used to live there, I've always wanted to visit more Montana, yeah, you know, I don't know.
1: That's awesome.
0: i have to visit there, i have to visit Montana, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Almost. Let's go by fast. Uh, the story of a monster in the Flat Lake originates in Katani, traditional legend. According to story, long ago, the first native tribe in the area lived on an island in the middle of the lake. One winter, while, tossing, while crossing the frozen lake to move camp, two girls saw antlers approximately two feet and length protruding through the frozen ice. Thinking the antlers belonged to some animal, the girls decided to jump, chop them off, and take them. They used sharp-edged rocks to cut through the ice, and when the antlers suddenly started shaking, the ice around them split open. And the head of a monster appeared through the ice, shaking its giant antlers. The girls used their special powers to transform into a ball and a buckskin target to escape the monster. But half of the tribe drowned in the lake, which is said to be the reason why there are so few Kutunai people. The narrative holds that the new Kutunai never strayed far from the lake shore after that. White sailors later reported occasionally seeing the monster. Uh, according to Tower newspaper editor Paul Fugelberg, okay, uh, local tales of the Flyhead Lake Monster go back from more than 100 years. It was supposedly first reported in 1889 by Captain James C. Kerr of the lake steamboat U.S. Grant, who claimed that he and his 100 passengers saw an unusually large whale like object in the water. According to the story, one of the passengers on the streamer shot at the creature and sent it diving for safety. Uh, Fuelberg notes that the local residents have named the purple lake monster Flessey inspired by Lake Noss Nessie. Uh, temporary reports of sightings of Flessey by local residents and visitors are average between one and two each year. However, in 1993 alone, there were about 13 reports. The monster is usually described as a large eel shaped creature, round with a lar- wavy body like a snake, 20 to 40 feet long, having brownish to blue black skin and grayish black eyes. It is often described as looking like a whale or giant sturgeon. According to Fugelberg, when I was editor of the Flyhead Career, I poisoned author Dorothy M. Johnson, then secretary of the Mountain Press Association. Uh, advised me not to treat science for slightly newspapers and magazine articles. She said, quote, I don't think the monster should be done with tongue in cheek. You have to have eyewitness accounts by people who were scared and didn't think it was funny. End quote. Uh, One local story that received much publicity describes how a 13 year old, a three year old boy apparently fell into the lake. And when asked how he had attracted himself, told his mother, quote. The flathead monster lifted me up. Fugelberg wrote that he claimed signs of the monster have been blamed on hyperactive imaginations, playful pranks, natural phenomena such as wave action, shadows, lighting effects, logs, a number of animals, including bears, horses, deer, elk, dogs, a dead monkey. Okay. what's the monkey did on Montana? A loose circus seal. Okay, And even escaped buffalo. In the nineteen fifties, a significant cash reward was offered by Big Fish Unlimited to anyone who would catch that was termed the superfish of Flighthead Lake. A man named C. Leslie Griffith was reported to have caught a seven foot six inch one hundred and eighty one pound one ounce white sturgeon now displayed at the Poison Flight Head Historical Museum. Yep. Yeah, it's
1: uh, this I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, you go ahead. No, it's not pretty visceral. Uh, I mean, it's not a monster, yeah. But yeah, it's very visceral. It's like, terif- quite terrifying incidents that happen, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. It's probably a big fish.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: uh let got a lot of big fish in korea
1: they do uh you know i've eaten fish while it's still moving on the plate actually it's still alive in <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah i mean it's very interesting the first time i had this happen was in japan and anyway there are a lot of big fish that's that's the question but you know the the way with me and my two friends and he brings out about this fish and we're like we we have been drinking a little bit and i swear Mm -hmm. i saw it move a little bit and i thought no it can't move but yeah it just starts moving and you're supposed to actually yeah the chopsticks you're supposed to consume it as it like suffocates on your plate so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they are definitely fish (laughs) they're big fish right
0: how's this sushi in japan compared to uh, here in america
1: I mean, there, there's no comparison. I mean, it's, it's, it's so fresh. Um, mm-hmm. And there's these restaurants where there's a, a conveyor belt. They might have that in America now, too. I don't know. Yeah, you know, the Tushi chef is sitting there fixing it, and it just kind of conveyor belt goes around. But, you know, I mean, like, they take the fish out of the tank and then bring it to your section like it was a live a moment ago and now it's there for you so it's it's really not embarrassing it's very fresh and very raw
0: sounds delicious
1: it is actually i actually had sushi yesterday <laughs> yeah it's it's really good it's really it's not expensive it's not expensive
0: it's great mm-hmm. So other, I was looking at your Facebook page. You got another book series you write.
1: I do. It's uh, so I do extreme horror because, like you were saying, it's very graphic and that's just not for everyone. And then I also do um, fantasy, and so that's more more for people and older. Uh, so yeah, I do both of those series.
0: What's your fantasy series about?
1: Uh, it's it's really about. Uh, People who are chasing some kind of big dream, like that's they are, But it could really be any kind of really big dream that only a small percentage of people ever get. And, and whether or not how most people fail along the way, and like only a very small number of people actually make it. So it's a quest fantasy. Because in my mind, it's basically what quests are. It's these group of people who are chasing some big thing. But the, it's a it's kind of a metaphor for art, basically trying to become a successful artists. That's,
0: that's awesome. I should read that.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I, mean, I actually think you would enjoy the shape shifting one.
0: The, the title
1: becomes um, a human. Um, like I, I would, I think I can actually loan that book to you, but I'll see about it because it's like a, it's an like anthology, so it's like a bunch of other people's stuff in there too. Um, but the the shape princess. It's, it's pretty gruesome but I think you might enjoy it yeah. actually
0: yeah I definitely enjoyed Butchers it was like really cool uh,
1: thanks yeah thanks and the next one comes out soon The Great Mass of Smoking Shadows comes out in maybe a month or so I'll let you know when it comes out
0: thank you look forward to reading it
1: and I definitely want to introduce you to my publisher because again like what you're saying is actually what he does he actually load around. Uh, throughout the country. They take pictures of uh, they, they go to places where there are legends of monsters or haunted houses or ghosts and they take pictures of it and they write about it. And I just think you guys would really have so much to talk about. Like I, I don't know that much about this stuff, but he, that's really what he does. So I'm definitely going to get you in contact with him and I hope he could, you guys can have a really good conversation actually.
0: I um yeah definitely yeah yeah. email me or message me oh as soon as we're done actually as soon
1: as we're done I'll send him. I mean he's right in Kentucky so you guys are in the same time zone not
0: like me it should be I don't know how to end this um thank you for uh, coming on the show where can people find you and your books
1: um Facebook, Todd Sullivan, Amazon uh, Amazon is the easiest way uh, the horror novella is called Butchers, the second one, Grim and Smoking Shadows, the fancy one is Hollow Men, and the second one is There Will Be One, which comes out May 1st so in about two weeks uh, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter a lot too
0: Awesome Are you like doing any like book tours or anything like that?
1: No, I mean, I'm here in Taiwan, so, yeah. no, it's literally not possible. But I do do a lot of podcasts. Like, I'm actually, I want to thank you for having me. I mean, yeah, uh, I do a lot of podcasts, and it's always great to talk to people. Like, you know, I've talked to someone in Australia, UK, Canada, and, you know, you can talk to people all over, so it's a really good experience and really good way to promote yourself.
0: Well, I'm glad you had, I got a, you messaged me and showed me that book because it an awesome book. I'm really glad you came on. You're an awesome guest.
1: Mm, thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much.
0: Um, you should come back on again and talk about the I will. second book. Talk about I your want second to come book on in my, series. From my
1: publisher, I don't know. Can you, do, can you do three people or can you do more than one person on Skype? Is it only a two-person
0: minimum? I think it's. I think you do more people. I think you can.
1: Alright, so again, I'm going to contact my publisher and then uh, hopefully you guys will talk and then we'll go from there.
0: Alright. Thank you.
1: Okay, bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or find more information about monster legend podcast go to monster legend podcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monster legend podcast there you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on which you can describe subscribe to you also can email me uh, with questions that will be answered on the show thank you